A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. I'm going to take my talents to South Beach. Oh! Oh, yes! Caught offside from just outside of New York City and from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling, J.J. Devaney. What a fun pod this shall be. What's up, brother? I've said it before in the pod. Sometimes you feel like everything is happening. That there is too much of everything. The world is too much with us. All of the world is with me today. I'm reading that Lionel Messi, let's not bury the lead here, is going to enter Miami. Mm. I'm looking outside at the sun reflected through the filter of an orange haze, a post-apocalyptic or maybe even pre-apocalyptic view of New York City. I can't see Manhattan. It's gone. Yeah, it it didn't look real today. It didn't. I, look I don't real. know how. If you're not from New York, I would tell you Google it. Like I, it's bizarre. You're, you're going to see I, pictures that look like they were taken on Mars. Um, but then I have a child. Oh, which I I mean I can't believe it. I do have one, but insane. I have a I have a daughter, and also. West Ham United have won a European trophy. David Moyes has a cup in his hand. What on earth is going on? And this weekend is the effing Champions League final. I'm not I'm not ready. I I'm mean, not it's, ready. It, like it's just an an unbelievable week of news and content. And and, and and I you know because obviously I have a child in one arm and my phone in the other. So when she's resting, I try to, you know, catch up on news and look at certain things. And I'm also, as you know, kind of addicted to my phone. Yeah. And I'm seeing a new meme emerge, which mean, will mean nothing to you. And I'm, I'm sorry for doing this, but we have a lot of listeners who like succession. Kendall Roy and Rory McIlroy. Because now Saudi Arabia essentially either owns or is a partner in, 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 in world golf. Mm. Uh, by the way, another inc- unbelievable story. Uh, a truly, truly unbelievable story. So I suppose the crossover and the meme is that, you know, Kendall d- 
did his absolute utmost to ensure that he was, you know, the guy that was going to be moving in the right direction for the company, for Waystar Royco. And Rory was the same guy who, who just constantly spoke about how bad it was that live golf were, you know, um, were in the golfing world. And now both Kendall and Rory have to deal with a new scenario where Kendall no longer owns his company and Rory's in a company he doesn't really want to be in or in the company, but, but now has to say, has to accept it. Like McElroy today was just, there was so much acceptance, like so many fellas trying to triangulate their position into, well, it is what it is and you, it's better to have them as partners. Like what? No, you were you were outright against this. You spoke out. You spoke actually in Rory's case, quite eloquently, against live uh, live um, the Saudi Arabian government's involvement in golf, and the money they were paying, and the way they were usurping the or attempting to usurp the PGA Tour. And now, the whole his whole world, his whole sphere has changed completely, and he has to sit there and and now say that this is okay. That story is is truly like God yeah, what, for what me. What do you want to do? You want to do thirty more minutes on it? What's going on here? No, but I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, golf is one of those sports. I think like F one for me that the actual sport itself isn't as fun as the storylines that orbit around it. Um, I won't watch golf, but I will read, and I will listen to podcasts about the stories and stuff that emerge from it. But for, what a huge day in football! Absolutely enormous day in football, and I'm I'm trying to triangulate my feelings on it. I'm trying to figure out where I stand on on Messi. I'd like to say one thing quickly before we get into Messi, because that's where, where we're going to start. It is unbelievable how short memories work and how people take their eye off the ball. So Messi, I saw on Twitter and from our friend, uh, producer extraordinaire, RJ Santillo. RJ texted me, wow, like I'm paraphrasing, well done or fair play to Messi for not taking the Saudi money. Huh? Michael Michael Cali, whoa, Michael Cali. I'm saying how um, you, you you have to kind of credit Messi for, for not taking the Saudi mom, money. Kim McCauley as well. These are people I respect. And I got in, into every one of their mentions and said, no, he has taken the Saudi money. A hundred, over a hundred million of it so far. What he's doing is not taking any more at this point. Like there is no virtue in him not going to Saudi Arabia to play his football. None whatsoever. Yeah, I would agree with that. We're going we're gonna to dive deep deep into Lionel Messi and the decision that he came to um, earlier today to come to MLS. It's unbelievable. We're going to talk about that. We're going to preview the Champions League final. Um, we're going to talk about West Ham and their victory. There's a few big transfers. The transfer window uh, has already exploded to life with some really marquee names um, making some really high-profile moves. So we're going to talk about all that. But none of these moves, JJ, none of them can be more high-profile then Lionel Messi leaving Europe for the first time in his entire career, leaving European football and heading stateside. Like LeBron said, taking his talents to South Beach. Well, actually, Broward County, but. Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, uh, and he'll fine. be playing in Fort Lauderdale for a little bit anyway. Fine. Uh, Miami is in the title. It's, <laughs> it's the name of the team, for God's sake. Um, Pending it, illegal. Uh, is that legal, legally being solved that they can right, call fine, themselves fine. Inter Miami? Inter Broward, whatever <laughs> you want to call it. All right. Um, JJ, it's unbelievable. Uh, uh, before even getting into any of it, any of the, the rest of it, I'll just start off with the, the most basic 
question here. Is this the biggest thing to happen in the history of MLS? Uh, yeah, I would say so. I think um, Beckham's arrival in 2007 was massive, but uh, but Beckham was more of an all-encompassing brand, whereas Messi is just fresh off a World Cup. Um, I know Beckham was fresh off a La Liga title or uh, close to it, at least. Uh, it's not the same. No, Be- Beckham doesn't have the football standing. Beckham had a, an amazing persona, amazing, uh, or like he existed in the orbit of fashion and culture. But but Messi is phenomenal player. Like I don't want to sell him short as a player. He was he was, but he was. In, I mean, he was in decline by the time he got to MLS. Um, Pele Pele came out of retirement and had to be coaxed to the cosmos, and also he went into an America that was different. It was an America that didn't care as much about soccer as the current America does. So this is, there's nothing close to this. Nothing. I agree. I agree. I don't even know what, like, I agree with you that there's nothing and, close. And, and you can you can talk all you want about, oh, wasn't that interesting that, you know, Atlanta United were able to pick up, uh, you know, a Barco, come bring him straight to MLS as a young player, you know. And, and, no, there's, there's, there's no amount of... Um, who are you trying to convince? Did, somebody, did, did someone try to tell you today that Barco, his arrival at MLS is the biggest moment in the history of the league? Like, no, 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 no. But there's a genuine, there's a genuine sense. If you, if you look at any of anybody who's involved in MLS, that the last few years have seen a wave of a wave, like take it, take it, don't take it as Barco and as on. Take all these players together. They've changed course. Right. That there's been a, a course change. And now what they're doing is, is, is much more, um, transcendent than anything that's been done before by bringing over washed up players. This is the, this is the greatest player in the history of the game who still wants to play and is, is coming to the United States. So, and, and, the, and age 35 be damned. Like, yes, we've talked about how he, of course, he's not the same player as he was when he was 27 or 28. We know that. However, it is still a year where he's likely going to win a Ballon d'Or. If not, he'll be runner up for it. You know, it's still a year where he. We talked about it last week. Sixteen goals, sixteen assists for PSG. Um, you know, I saw JJ. What was it? Who scored? dot com. They do like their teams of the season where they they take the average what their player ratings were. Messi's was the highest in yeah. Europe this year. Like, I know. So like, he's still like people can say, yeah, he's a he's a vet. He's not what he was. Okay, fine. He's still top five in the world. Like it's yeah. it's huge. I don't know. I don't think you can overstate it. No, how, you how can't overstate it. Now the, the the angles that you can attack it on or that you can delve into, uh, for for one is why is he here? So let, yes, let's talk about before we get into more of the MLS side of it. I want to talk about specifically the Messi side of it. Um, you know, this has changed a lot over the course of over the life of these rumors. Um, from he's going to stay at PSG which was, I think, what Fabrizio Romano originally reported back in December, that the contract was there from PSG and he was going to accept it. But, you know, the genesis of the it went from there to um, he's going back to Barcelona to uh, it's Saudi Arabia. And Miami was always lingering. You know, there were always reports. They were always a player in this. But it never, to me, and maybe this is my own American insecurities or ignorance, whatever you want to call it, that one never felt as real to me as all of the other options. That doesn't mean that it's not a, it wasn't a good option. It doesn't mean that Messi has made a bad choice, but it just, 
I don't know. I couldn't see it. It just never felt real to me in the way that those other ones did. I I think this, the reason he's in America is like we talked about before market forces. Um, He, the upheaval that he had when he left Barcelona, which is his home and will continue to be his home far more than Argentina, certainly far more than Paris. The upheaval of moving his family from that that cocoon he had in Barcelona, that life he had in Barcelona, bringing them to Paris. He doesn't want to do that again. He wanted to play Champions League football. He wanted to play at top level. And he wanted to do it in Barcelona. Barcelona. And once that wasn't possible, the other option was Saudi Arabia, which I don't care how many N'Golo Cantes end up signing there. I, I really don't. Is a total irrelevance and would put would sideline him completely. The United States is a, a kind of a halfway house between the two options. One unpalatable, one impossible to get done because Barcelona are broke. Yeah, that was that was kind of what my thinking was. But except I think I I guess I overvalued money in this situation. I mean, we're in a we're in a sporting culture, JJ, where just money rules all. There are yeah. just not there aren't scenarios where where money is left off the table. And so I think once once it felt increasingly clear that Barcelona was not necessarily going to be a realistic option, I thought, okay, well now let's compare what's left. I I PSG was out, obviously. Um you know, you had this Miami option where you you're hearing rumors of of Apple being a part of it and Adidas being a part of it and the league forking over money, whatever it was. It seemed complicated. It seemed like there was a lot that had had to come together to make it work. And then you had this other option of four hundred million a year on the table, eventually reaching over a billion, one point five, one point six billion, I think, is what the final figure was. And you see those two things next to each other, and I just thought, well, it's going to be that one. Like this is just the way sports works. Like I don't care how much you know this mm. idea of what well, can can someone ever have enough? Like we we've, we've kind of we're in a society now and in a culture now where that's no is the is the but, answer to but, that. So but, I just never when I put the two options next to each other, you know, yeah, I know he has a home in Miami that there's a, a significant Argentinian Latin population in Miami, sure, but would that be enough to win him over? It's still not necessarily his home the same way that Saudi Arabia is not. So when you when you compare the two, I guess I just thought that money would would rule all. But I think I. I, I think I undervalued a the quality, I guess, of of this league MLS in comparison to the Saudi Arabian league that's still in its infancy, um, mm. and I think I undervalued maybe a desire to still live an American life to be you know whatever the lifestyle is here in the United States in in Florida. Um, you know, I live here, so it's hard for me to like look at it from an outside perspective from people who who are envious of of the life that a lot of Americans get to lead. So, uh, it ha- is it those two things? Is it the Apple component? I, oh, I, don't- I mean, that's the other part to it as well. You're you're talking like this is co- some kind of charity uh, mission, some kind of of charitable uh, endeavor. Messi coming uh, to play in the United States. We do not know the full extent of which Apple will have been involved, how much they'll pay him, how much the league are going to give him in terms of um, a Beckham Max contract. We'll call it that. So the potential to own an an MLS franchise, the potential to to get a cut of revenues. I mean, it makes no sense, this transfer, in terms of the way the league is set up and salary caps. (laughs) MLS is going to have a lot of rejigging to do. But MLS and Apple found themselves 
in a desperate situation. And we will find out to the extent how desperate it was when we find out the full figures on what Lionel Messi is, is getting. But the rumours we heard, solid rumours, that um, the uptake on the season pass hadn't been good, that they, the Apple were already supremely worried. Out of nowhere, they started offering a month free to try and drive subscribers. They needed something. They need something that is going to give the buzz and going to drive subscribers. And Lionel Messi will do that. Now, there's a price to be paid for that. And he's going to get a massive cut above and beyond any player we've ever seen in, in, uh, in MLS. And we have to see how that's going to be constituted. Yeah, because you're right. It is very complicated. It's not immediately clear. It won't be clear. I mean, we're talking about percentages of earnings and things like that. So there's not going to be a fixed number. Um, so it will be difficult to know exactly what he's pulling in. But I do wonder, JJ, like, don't you think there's a chance that like his family did play a role here? You know, his I don't want to put words in people's mouths, but c- can you see a scenario of his wife saying, Leo, like, look at what we have already. Look at look at our bank account. It's not like they're offering you nothing. They're offering you steaks in Apple yeah. and, and steaks in Adidas. Um, you know, it's it's Miami, it's America. I'd rather I'd rather be there than Saudi Arabia for an extra two hundred million. Of like- course. Like I mean his his wife Um, just look at the pictures on Instagram. Look at the way they live their life. That's not the way it'll be in Saudi Arabia. I've I've had I know I know it's a society that appears to be in some kind of change, but it's certainly not as far on as Miami or any, anywhere else. And so they would live a much more closeted life. It would be vastly different. And I don't, there is not the same attractions for his family in, uh, in Saudi Arabia that there is in Miami. And, and they already have a home there. And that's key as well. The uprooting thing was the big problem and the thing that was referenced all the while about why he wouldn't leave Barcelona because he didn't want to uproot his family. So Miami, where he already has a home, is not the same level of, 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 of convulsion. It's not the same level of, of turmoil as moving your family to Saudi Arabia. No, I mean, certainly. Th- I mean, and she's the epitome of a Western woman, like the epitome of a modern Western woman. That, that kind of lifestyle would not be available in Saudi Arabia, no matter what propaganda uh, is spewing out of there. Yeah, it would. I mean, for for those reasons, this makes sense. Um, it certainly does, and and I'm I'm glad I'm I'm glad that it does because um, I can't wait to see this happen. But- I I I I don't know. You're glad, like, and and it's 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 an an overwhelming gladness for you. You don't have any any qualms about the greatest player in the world seeing out some of what's left of his best years because we know he can still ball. Yeah, in uh, no, no, no. There's there. Yes, there is part of me. Uh, certainly that it's a little sad, I suppose, to know that he's not going to play Champions League football again. Although I can't say that definitively. He wouldn't be the first player to come to MLS and then take loan deals back for the second halves of, of, you know, if if something can be worked out with Barcelona. Remember, that was the rumor a week ago Mm. that that, that's how this was going to work. So I'm not necessarily ready to shut the door on that. Um, But I'll say this. I've seen a lot of Messi in the Champions League over, over the course of my lifetime as a soccer fan. This is this is now at a point where I I think this is cooler to me, like I'm ready to see this him to do it here, in our backyard. Like I, yeah. I it's almost surreal. The idea. I, I mean, it is, and I I do have to say, on a selfish standpoint, although it's going to be so difficult, if 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 the ticket trends are anything to go by and the figures we're seeing, it's going to be very hard. 
you're going to wish your MLS team played in some kind of a, a NFL stadium and not its brand new 20,000 seater stadium because it's going to be so hard to get into those grounds. I'm thinking of Red Bull Arena, uh, Cincinnati, places like that. Um, but it is cool, the idea that you'll be able to see him in your locale that, uh, in, in competitive games, not... Um, that's that is kind that is kind of cool. I, I I won't deny that. But um, the greatest player should should finish at the absolute top. Now people can argue he did that already. He won he won the World Cup, a, the the final piece in in his kind of in the jigsaw of his legacy. I, I still think if he can play at the level he can play at, isn't wouldn't and and his desire. That's the thing. Every well, let, rumor. Let, let me stop you though. And let me ask you a question then. Like. So what? So what are the options? Like you wanted him to stay in Europe so you could see him play in the. No, but he can't. Would, he would can't. it have been cooler to see him at Man City? Like you would have hated that. Staying at PSG, we're not watching Liga. You know, like go back to Barcelona. Unrealistic. Not a realistic possibility. So like, no, what, no, no. where could I he mean, have gone that would have been cool to you? Yeah, I mean, there's, but the, I mean, the options aren't there. I mean, if he'd gone to Inter, if he'd gone to Juve, if he'd gone to, I don't know. Uh, Bayern Munich, but we know those options aren't real because of the money involved. I'll take him here over any of those. Wow, I don't know. I I I like the idea he's playing at the top level. I like the the idea that in his final game he'll wave in one of the grand old stadiums of European football. I think I that's I think that's lovely. Look, I, um, you're gonna you're gonna see him on a high stage. Hell, the Copa America is here next year. Like he's mm. still going to play in major games. I'm talking club importance. football, yeah. I agree oh, well, with you. Though. The the international aspect is still open to him, but I'm talking um, club football. I mean, Barcelona was was the only one where if you told me he could have stayed there, I would have thought, yeah, that's cool because the way he left uh, in a COVID year where he was not able to get the proper send off that a player of his prestige deserved from a fan base that just that just worships him. Um, in a perfect world, I guess that would have been the preferred destination. I think it was for him, but he spoke about it. He said, I really wanted to come back, Messi told Diario Sport after announcing his move to Miami. But on the other hand, after having lived through what I lived through, after the exit I had, I didn't want to go through the same situation again and have to wait to see what was going to happen. I didn't want to leave my future in the hands of others. I wanted to make my own decision for myself and my family. Even though I heard in the media that the league had accepted everything and that everything was okay for me to come back, there was still a lot of other things missing. I heard that they had to sell players or lower the salaries of players, and I didn't want to go through that nor be responsible or have anything to do with all that. I think that's... Yeah, it makes sense. Like I get that. Like, th- does he want to go back to Barcelona? And it means that you know, half the starting eleven has to be shipped out. Like, how they're broke. <laughs> the team is broke. How are you going to bring back Lionel Messi? It, it never felt realistic. We talked about no. it all the time. It never seemed even you know, like the reports of, from Guillaume Balaguer saying that he, Messi would go back there to play for free. But like, what? Uh, so it, ne- no. it never. It just never felt. I mean, maybe it felt more real to me than MLS just because it was, this is too surreal. Um, but how was that ever, how was it ever going to work for a team yeah. that has no money? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm I'm assuming everyone has read the kind of, uh, what pe- people are calling it, Snark Salona, the, uh, their statement on, I mean, it, it's, it's so funny. It's so bitter. Um, let me read it here for you. On Monday, June 5th, Jorge Messi, the player's father and representative, informed club president Juan Laporta and the players of the player's decision to join Inter Miami, despite having been presented with a proposal from Barcelona. In consideration of the desire of both FC Barcelona and Lionel Messi for him to once again wear uh, the Blaugrana, 
President Porta understood and respected Messi's decision to want to compete in a league with fewer demands, further away from the spotlight and the pressure he has been subject to in recent years. Uh, Laporta and Messi, Jorge Messi, also agreed to work together to promote a proper tribute from Barca fans to honour a footballer who, who has been, is and always be beloved by Barca. There's something about meeting your ex and their new partner and saying, oh, oh, yeah, he, he's, he's lovely in a much more understated way than I was. <laughs> Isn't he nice? He's so nice. And it's good for you. You got someone plain, not like me, <laughs> you know? Yes. Uh, hey, his personality is great. And by great, I mean subdued and boring. <laughs> that's, that, that's what it feels like. Yeah, it was. Oh, and peak, by the way, we should have a party to celebrate how great we were together. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You know what? Let them ha- let them feel the way they want to feel. You know, whatever. I um, am so happy for that girl you're with. I really am, and her really conservative bosoms. You know, like that kind of just vibe. I'll yeah. stop this analogy now before I get in trouble. I mean, look, they're right about some things. Like, I think this move will allow Messi to look like the messy we know for longer. Like it's, that's a fact. Like the, the competition that he's going to be playing against is different. It's so he'll be able, like we're going to get for the people who think that like, Oh, it's not the messy. It was maybe that's true, but he'll, he's going to look a lot like that messy in, in this league, you know, for however good MLS is, it's not the champions league. We know that it's not La Liga. We understand that. So, you know, in that respect, I get what I get their bitterness. Um, but I don't care. <laughs> I just, <laughs> sorry, tough. Um, yeah. Now, can can I just also make another point? You, I mean, you're you're talking about how the the Barcelona squad would need to be overhauled um, just to have him back from the, from the financial aspect and the turmoil. That, that that's that, what he's saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. But that's what I mean. Anybody with a brain. Anthony Miranda said, um, "How do you think Messi will do at Inter Miami?" I can't help. But feel like he's gonna he's gonna sandbag. I've watched Gonzalo and Blaze Matuidi the last few years. I had so much hope for Blaze, not work out how we hoped. Blaze was a disaster, and I don't think Gonzalo ever earned his paycheck. I know it's about selling jerseys, tickets, and subscriptions, but I'm worried Messi isn't going to make a bad team much better. Interested to know your opinions. So now, I will I will respectfully disagree. Well, first of all, we shouldn't really be putting Blaise Matuidi and Gonzalo Higuain as, as quality a professional as they were in the same uh, bracket as Messi. That said, it is a valid point. He's going into a scenario where the, the club was recently... We, we never even talked about Phil Neville just being finally being relieved of his duties by his best mate. Imagine that conversation. All right, pal, how are you? Yeah, dinner Saturday night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you want to see me first for? I'm sacking you. Huh? Fired. <laughs> You what now? Yeah. Sacking you, um, <clears throat> which is hilarious. But that's... well, it, but it also paves the way, I think, for another component of this deal. Like, I think we're, Messi probably wanted Tata Martino. Yeah, I just I, I think I, that that will be next. I don't know. I think there's a culture shock coming for him. I think. Oh, yeah, and, and by and, the way, and, he, and, he and also you fought a player that won't run. He's not going to run. <laughs> so, so you, I get, and I, I think he'll destroy. He should destroy MLS teams. Like he really should. But we know that you turn up, it's 90 degrees in Houston. It's, it's, it's a, in the middle of whatever time it is, and it's blazing hot. And it the field's hard. 
but also wet on top because it's been sprinkled and there's some Guatemalan lad about to kick you around the place. It's not quite the easy cupcake league that some people would like to paint it as. That is true. And a lot, and more than one player who came over from Europe with a very high profile has found that out the hard way. And so, yeah, it, it may not be immediate, but you know what? I'm going to, if we're, if we're putting money down on something, I'm going to, I'm going to bet on him. I, I think he's proven, he's now, proven that side right to be far, far more often than not. No. And we have to see what way he treats the league. Um, I know we know from uh, reading the book, Simon Cooper's book and, and other books, how ultra competitive he is. And I, I'd find it hard to see him take the field and not try. Um, but, you know, is there is there a part of him that says, hey, I go here, I extend my international career. I make it possible to go to that next World Cup. I make it possible maybe to even win a Copa America and add to my to my list of things that I have in my locker. So I, I'd be curious about that too. Um, and, and we know his, his overwhelming desire was to go to Barcelona. You know, it's a heck of a step down to have to go to Broward County and play in some stadium, some kind of half renovated stadium in Fort Lauderdale. I mean, I can't, you're like, you're right about all those things. I can't, there's no, there's no other side to that other than to just trust him and that competitiveness that you talk about and his yeah. greatness. Like I just, I just believe in that guy, you know, and I, and I think I'm right too. I think he's proven that um, on a historical level. So yeah, if, I guess I would say this. If you have reservations about it, you're not wrong. We've seen players who we thought were going to come over here and tear the league up. We've seen them fail. Um, so it has happened, but he's different. He's different. He's different than all of them. Uh, that's how I view him, and, and I think we'll find that out. Okay. Um, before we move off of this, JJ, I mean – I'm going to ask this question without even having an exact answer myself, which I, I don't like. It makes me uncomfortable, but I'll ask it anyway. The question that has to be asked, anytime something like this happens involving American soccer, involving MLS. Oh, we're not doing this. Needle moving. Oh, stop it. How how are we not going to do this? The, so we're going to sit here and acknowledge that this is the biggest moment in the history of of the league. It's also a podcast. The domestic league, but we're not going to talk about whether or not how much this moves the needle for the sport in this country. It's also a podcast where we've accepted that the, that the sport is massive here and has a huge following. Yes, but come on, man. You know it's not like – it's not basketball. It's not baseball. Like we under, we understand that. We understand that it's for however great its following is. We know that it's not you know front page of the paper following. It's not lead story on Sports Center for whatever that's worth anymore. I, you know what I'm saying? Like this stuff still matters. It's huge. No, this, it's like, huge. Yeah, it's huge. I just um, I I don't know what else I can add to it. I think like he, he's the most significant signing by a country mile that's ever come into MLS. He is. There was a real chance to hoover up some some casual um, some casual. Now his play is everything. He must stay fit. He must stay on the field because as a person as a persona, he's not going to do what Zlatan did. He's not going to give you column inches. He's not going to in in the sense of his quotes or anything like that. Um, so like his fitness and his ability to play and be regular and do the things he's known to do is absolutely vital. And that will be the that will be the the worry for any thirty five year old. But so far, coming off the season, we've just seen, and like you said, the way you believe in him, he should be able to do that. Yeah, it's huge. It moves the needle. It really, it, it does. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just super curious about it. I'm just fascinated. Got- I'm, I'm so interested to see, like, when, when you know, Beckham coming here 
what that how that moved the ball forward for soccer in this country and MLS. You know, you saw the wave of soccer specific stadiums after that. Like he it did it did move the needle to a certain extent. And I'm wondering what that looks like this time around. Where soccer yeah, where soccer's at such a higher level of respectability see, in this country. There's I a wonder, World Cup coming here in a couple of years, uh, a Copa America here next summer. There's games Andrew, on TV every weekend more so than even conventional American sports. Um I, I'm, I'm, I just I just want to know what what does it look like for this guy to take the sport to another level in this country? It is possible, you know, that this is a self-contained thing, that while he's here, the buzz is massive. It's absolutely huge. But that long term, it doesn't have an, a long term effect. A hundred percent right. I don't know. I think that it will. But it's hard to know that. It's also hard to know that immediately because the people that it might have the biggest effect on might be 11 years old right now. And so you can't tell what the effect that this has on them until they're 10 years from now when they've grown up and can spend money. And, and you know, it's so it's hard to know right away. And don't forget that there will be a constituency of the American public who will expect Messi to do what he did to Gavardiol on every single play, mm-hmm. you know, and we know that he's, he's not capable of, of doing that anymore. He's more likely to do it in MLS than he is anywhere else, I guess. So I'm, I'm just saying there's, he has to put in those big, big performances and he has to be on, well, basically he has to be on the field. I think the other thing that's hard to account for at this point is that there's such a, there's such a gravity with him in this sport and, and players who look up to him in such a way. Yeah. I do wonder a little bit, I know we talk about MLS has kind of moved away from a, a model of bringing in those kind of players. They go for younger central South Americans, that kind of thing. But like, I do wonder if if him being here does open up some kind of pathway where players view this league differently now because Messi is there, where it's just like the league is is just the perception of it is just different simply because he has now by being here, regardless of what the motives might be, he's here. You're going to see him playing in a Miami jersey, and like that that's a fact. So like the perception of the league changes perhaps in some players' minds. It has Messi's stamp of approval. You know, I'll be curious to see if if that manifests itself in any way in terms of the caliber of player who now sees this as an even more desirable uh, place to, to come. You're right. I, I, I wonder, I wonder what it's going to be, whether it's a contagion that spreads, spreads to out, out America and American soccer, or whether it's this kind of self-contained buzz bubble. The only, I don't know. the only real concern I have, like he, part of me thinks he's coming here at the absolute perfect time um, where, like we said, soccer has grown to this place and it's on TV and you see jerseys everywhere you go. Like, it's a thing. Soccer's a thing here. Like, that's that's great. He can take that momentum and run with it right through the next World Cup in this country. That's amazing. But the other part of me is just like, damn, that paywall. Oh, for God's sake, I know. <laughs> I, like, can't, I, to... I, can't, I can't run away from that. And I'm not, again, I, 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 I know all the reasons they did it. I understand, but. You're uh, right. You're so right. You know what would have been perfect? Announce that deal for next year. Get an absolute half season of Messi brilliance mm-hmm. and then say, hey, guess where Messi's going? And then drive everyone to it. Now, like, shouldn't there be the, the vision of, I don't know, a bar in Kentucky, a bar in Missouri where there's sports on and everyone is just turned and is 
their jaws are, are, are falling to the floor because they've just saw Messi do something for Inter Miami and it's on TV and it's there for them. Mm. And they didn't have to do anything. They didn't have to sign up. And suddenly they're part of it. And suddenly they're the next day, they're like, I was in the bar last night. Do you see what that Messi did? Unbelievable. And they're looking out for the game and everything. All that's gone. That's not there anymore. I know. And somebody at work today was that I was talking to about it. He was like, oh, well, that first game, you know, that's got to be prime time, Fox, whatever. And I was like, no, you don't understand. Part of his contract here is is with Apple. <laughs> They're not doing anyone any favors with this. Like, yeah. I hope to be proven wrong. I hope some of these games are outside of the paywall. But like, this is all this is a marketing play for a major corporation in this country. Now, we both have a lot going on in our lives, more than we've ever had in the history of this podcast. That's but let's not be close. Yeah, it's not even close for both of us. Let's be let's be honest, Andy's here. Um, I have watched significantly less live MLS since it went to the, to the paywall. Same, and I have access to it. Yeah, but out of sight, out of mind, out of mind. Uh, yeah, it has not. I don't think anyone would tell you that this has been a a rip roaring success, or even a small success, or even any kind of success whatsoever. Well, there was not one exec- There was one executive who came out last week and made vague kind of nods of approval so far, but. Without giving any hard data, and you know well, they're not; would... they're just not going to. None of no, these, they're not going. To. Of I don't course think any not. of these streaming platforms really do. No, no. Well, I think I think Amazon did for the NFL. Yeah, but it's the NFL, you know. Um, yeah, I I can't wait for this. The sight of it is going to be fun. I mean, God, see, like watching him play the Union. Like, what a fun thing that's going to be for me and Union. Like, whoever your team is, like Messi's going to play against your team in a game Messi's... that's not a that's not a friendly. Like, Messi's it's... going to be under the Commodore Barry Bridge. What a place to be. It's where we all want to be. <laughs> Write a song about it. I can't wait. It's uh, this is going to be, we'll see. I mean, you've seen what ticket prices have already done for, for people anticipating. I don't love that. Game. The next thing that I'm curious about, JJ, are, are some of these, like, I'm wondering now if you're Miami. I don't know what the rules are here. Um, so I'm just like, this is purely out of my own brain. Like, I don't know. I don't know what's allowed and what's not. How are you not playing your home games at Hard Rock? Like you you could sell that out in a second. Get over there. Like all like when they when they come to play the union, you don't want to move to the link for that one? Oh, Andrew, no. You don't want to try to uh that's 70,000 people want to see him. That's You don't want to no. try to do that? No, that 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 messes with the integrity of the league actually. Do, doing stuff like that. Absolutely. Oh, the integrity of the league. Yeah, the integrity of the games in the league. Yeah. It it it, it totally does. How could you not think that? That it messes with the integrity of the league? Why? Moving from your home field to play in a bigger stadium with yeah. all that in, entails because you want to what, what is what's the how is the integrity, the integrity damaged? The integrity of the competition. It's not a, it's not an even playing field. Uh, the integrity of the competition. Let's so, talk well, the, salary, believe, the salary cap believe, was destroyed today. Like what? <laughs> what are we talking just, about here? Well, no, you're turning it into a farce then. Home like why play any games at home? Why not just have it a movable feast? Go to the this big is, city. But I'm, and I'm not saying move to another city. I'm not saying play every one of his games at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. I'm move five minutes down the road to a place that instead of holding eighteen thousand, holds seventy. Uh, People want to yeah, see him. I, I think you're. Fa- how's I, think the, you're how's the, I don't understand how the integrity f- is damaged. Of course, you a home side that's used to playing at at a certain at a certain field, a certain routine. 
You rip all that up. You change that to bring it to another stadium. Like, what are you on about? No. I mean, I think that these guys are professionals. I think they oh, can for, handle that. I uh, cannot believe you. your blase attitude. Just shows you've never played at the highest level. Oh, oh and, yeah. and guess oh, what? Enlighten me, please. And, and guess please, what, sir? You never will. You never will. Uh, well, Lionel Messi is in MLS. It's amazing. Well, of That's course, if he can talk- get a plane in with all this <laughs> smog. We'll, we'll, of course, talk a ton more about this as as it all continues to crystallize. We should say that it's – I don't think it's officially done yet. No, it's um, not. He said there's some pieces to be done. Right, but, I mean, can you really – is there any way it doesn't happen at this point? Like, it, it's happening. So wrap your minds around it. It's uh, Lionel Messi coming to a city near you at some point in the next month or so. Incredible. Um, JJ, let's keep going now. We'll move off of this. And uh, there's there's a pretty big game, which today was – was overshadowed, but there's a pretty big game coming up this weekend. The biggest game, obviously, in club soccer. That is the UEFA Champions League final. It's this Saturday, 3 o'clock in Istanbul, a place close to your heart, of course. Oh, yeah. Uh, Manchester City, Inter Milan. Should be, I mean, I, I don't know exactly what to think of this game. I keep trying to tell myself that, well, we haven't really, re- we haven't received any drama in this competition. So maybe it's all been building up to this point. But if that's the case, I, I, I can't say that it's to be expected. Everything in my soul tells me that this should be Manchester City with relative ease. And so I want to ask you the question. Um, obviously, we don't know how it's going to go, but just on paper, when is the last time you think we had a, a Champions League final matchup this lopsided? Oh, God. I have a few here that I'll throw out, and you can tell me what you think. Um, I think now you, when you say lopsided, you mean going into it? Don't I just mean on paper? I don't mean what happened in the end with the end result. I just mean before the game happened, you know, where ninety-five percent of the population all felt that the same I, felt the same about who was going to win. Istanbul in two thousand and five. I have that on my list, definitely. And the other team won in that one. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, well, I was going to ask you. Uh, this this could be my own. <laughs> what about Tottenham Liverpool? Um, I would say that was lopsided, yes, but I wouldn't say that was a I great Liverpool that. side. And I still, for the life of me, can't believe Tottenham were in a Champions League final. <laughs> I Fair like, I'll never, I'll never believe it. Fair um, enough, but it wasn't. It, it didn't feel as big as this. What about uh, two thousand one Bayern Munich Valencia? No. I know Valencia had been to back to back, but they they were fifth that year. Ah, uh, no, 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 no. Um, Valencia had such quality players; they really did. Um, even even the the final in two thousand, which Real Madrid won against Valencia, that didn't seem. Uh, even even going into it, that didn't seem as lopsided, even though Real Madrid won it fairly easily, uh, relatively easily. Um, uh, let me think. You have to help me. About, Dortmund, about... Juventus, Borussia Dortmund in '97. Okay, yeah, that 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 was a shock. Like Juventus were a, a seasoned Champions League team that they'd been knocking on the door. Um, they'd won. Uh, they'd they'd already won the tournament. So yeah, that one, that one for me. Well, you'd have to help me a little bit with Real Madrid, Bayer Leverkusen. What was? I mean, I know that Madrid side that was you know Zidane, his oh, famous that, game. That, that was that was lop, that was definitely lopsided. But but Leverkusen had been like seen as that this team team of destiny. They'd knocked out Manchester United and Liverpool on the way to the final. Mm. Yeah, well, I, I think that this one again this feels way worse this, than those. This doesn't necessarily mean that 
Manchester City are have to win, but it just means going into this game, I, this is how it's viewed. I mean, and, and it's not entirely a slight on Inter Milan. I mean, a lot of this, I mean, more so as a compliment to Manchester City than I do a knock against Inter. Uh, this would be, I mean, look, look what look what Man City just did to the team that we believe is the second best in the world in Real Madrid. They dismantled them. Um, so, um, you know, a lot of this this would be lopsided in a lot of different matchups. It's not just a knock on Inter. Now, let's go through how these teams got to this point, and then we'll kind of look at this game in particular and how we think it's going to go. Inter first. I mean, JJ, I find it so interesting. We mentioned this a couple weeks ago um, before the semifinal that this was not, this was like not always written in the cards to go this way. They were in a group with Bayern, Barcelona and Victoria Plitzen, Um, not a group that they were supposed to get out of. I I think the key moments for them along the way, they beat Barcelona one nil at the San Siro and, and and it was tight. Barca had a goal chalked off through VAR and a potential penalty in stoppage time, not given also with the help of VAR. So uh, that was tight. And then Inter followed that up just a week later they went back to Barcelona with that thrilling 3-3 draw at the Camp Nou, which which essentially ended Barcelona's Champions League hopes. And that was the one where Lewandowski scored two late ones, but it wasn't enough. They needed to win that. Uh, so, you know, they they took they took a hard route through the group stage to even make their way into the knockout round. Yeah, and I think um I think if you look at the way they handled Benfica, obviously the second leg was a bit of a mess, but how they handled them in the first leg, um how they handle AC Milan. Well, real quick, before you even get to that, you skipped over you skipped over what was probably their most frightening moment. I mean, their round of sixteen against Porto. They I mean, scored that... a goal, they, they scored a goal in the first leg. We've said over and over again, JJ, that this tournament, this Champions League didn't have any drama. Well, the only drama that it did have was the final seconds of that second leg against Porto when Dumfries cleared one off the line. Taremi hit the crossbar. Uh, who was it that that followed that up and hit the post? Grujic. Uh, he hit the bar. Taremi hit the the post. Like the final thirty seconds of that game was exhilarating. Uh, so it was, it was absolutely wild, but it kind of wasn't indicative of everything else that we saw. Um, like I, I still don't know how the, a goal didn't go in, in in that scenario. I I would say that the semi final first leg, though, just the way the the intensity they had in midfield and the way they went about just attacking AC Milan. Yeah. Um, they were they just looked miles like a different. Uh, a different uh, cut above Milan. So um, that, that's that's the one that kind of stood out to me. Yeah, I mean, they were two up in that first leg in the first 11 minutes. And it felt over, you know. Yeah, AC Milan not having Rafael, uh, Rafael Leao for that first leg, I think that hurt them. They just looked disqualified. But even still, what did they do in the second leg? It was it was comfortable for Milan. And it's also a problem for us in trying to evaluate how they're going to be in this final. When, I know. When that semifinal was such so hard to read. Yeah, then on the other side, of course, Manchester City... Um, who I think are, I mean, we'll see how this goes, but they're on the brink, I think, of of capping off one of the most dominant Champions League campaigns, really, that we've seen. Now, I say that they were not perfect in the group. They had a couple no, of draws. Two draws. Yeah, um, but I would say they won it with relative ease, a group that included Dortmund, who kind of should have won the Bundesliga, Sevilla, who just won the Europa League. They so conceded two goals. <laughs> I know, yeah. Um, so the group stage, but you know, getting through the group was never really their aim. Um, it was They had much bigger goals than that. Look at the round of 16. Um, maybe, a, you know, I remember we came out of that first leg, maybe a little concerned, you know, at that point, Arsenal were still on top in the, uh, in the Premier League. It's one, one with Leipzig coming out of the, the first leg of the round of 16. We're kind of wondering uh, what, what are city exactly? And then, and then it started to happen seven nil in the second leg Holland with five in the first 57 minutes. They took them off. What was it in the 66th? 
Um, I mean, just uh, an absolute explosion, which kind of, I think, rocked everyone into remembering just how great this team could be and just how dangerous they were going to be in this competition. They moved to the quarters against Bayern. You think, oh, okay, now the tests begin, right? No, 3-0 on the first leg. That was the game, JJ, the, where Opa Meccano was, <laughs> oh, my God, where you, your heart just bled for him. And you wanted him to retire immediately <laughs> so he couldn't be put through any more pain. <laughs> Remember, Spare JJ, him. too, one of my favorite quotes from this Champions League, that was they won 3-0. And remember Pep afterwards saying he was emotionally destroyed? It was so, so tough. So, so tough. Emotionally destroyed. Emotionally destroyed. They, they come physical, they speed, pace. Uh, so, so difficult. Uh, emotionally destroyed. And then, of course, we got the semifinal versus Real Madrid, the matchup that everybody wanted. I think everybody really wanted it in the final, but it was in, presented to us in the semi. Um, first leg, a couple worldies, great goals from De Bruyne and from Vinicius. And you think, okay, this is setting up just everything we wanted in the second leg. 1-1, one, one, going back to City. And then once again, City show you just how great they are. 4-0, Bernardo Silva, excellent in the first half. You kept waiting for that patented Madrid comeback. Never came. Probably should have been worse. Courtois had a couple amazing saves early in that game. It could have been, I mean, really it could have been 5-0, 6-0. could have been 4-0 at the half. Um, and I think we all, we all exited the second leg of that semifinal thinking, oh, oh dear God, this team has come together. And I don't know if there's anybody out there that looked like legit competition for them. Yeah. I mean, the, what they did to Madrid, the humiliation, and that's why we go into this game struggling to find a way for, for Inter to, I mean, it's a cup final. It's an Italian team in a cup final. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, do you want to go through the keys to the game? Well, yeah, I've just come up with a few things. Okay, I spring to mind. Um, I'll begin with the the attack of Inter. So, I uh, I think I read somewhere today that nobody else puts in as many crosses, or only one team put in more crosses than them in the in the competition, and the flanks and the wings. Are, and the runners from the center of midfield are hugely important for, for Inter. How are they going to be able to, first of all, implement that game when they're not going to have that much of the ball? So when they do have a chance, when they do get something and a sniff, and they will get a sniff, uh, Lautaro Martinez and Jekko, who we expect will be the front two, have to be absolutely rootless. Second thing. Well, real quick, uh, can I can I expand on that? Because I had a couple here that are sort of fall in line with what you're okay, saying. Okay, go on. I'll allow it. So, I don't like <laughs> you interrupting me when I'm mid floor. Oh, I, I didn't realize that this is that we've seated the floor to you. Yes, um, I have. I have three minutes, Senator. Well, so you mentioned the uh, Inter Milan and and the propensity to cross the ball. I went. I I kind of took that thread and pulled on it a little further. JJ, um, one of my keys for them was Alessandro Bastoni. He is such a wonderful crosser of the ball. Get Beautiful him in striker of the ball. Yep. Get him in positions where he can do that. Um, you know, we saw him put one right on Barella's head. Uh, we saw him uh, with Dumfries. Like, I just think put him in those positions where where he can do that. How is he going to have the ball? Well, I mean, like you said, they are like they're not going to have zero percent possession. I mean, like they are, they will have. They're going to have a couple chances, and I'm saying in those moments, I wouldn't mind the ball being at his foot where he can play across him because I think he's he's elite at it. And then the other thing for me. Um, Chalanoglu, let him just unleash. He has a cannon for a leg. Now, City are hard to break down defensively. We know that. So trying to pass through them is going to be tough. That's why you know one of our keys is to cross the ball a lot. Uh, but for me, the other one is like, 
if this guy's in position from like 20 yards out, just give him the green light at all times. He did it against Verona recently. He had the one off the post. What was it against AC Milan in the semi? Um, he had one earlier in the Champions League against Barcelona from like 20, 20 yards or so out. Like I would, I would have no problem if I saw him just five times over the course of this match from outside the box, just unleash. Um, so I, I look at, I, I'm looking at those two things, Bastoni and Chalinoglu as guys who I'm ready to just see unload. Yeah. Um, the second thing was uh, kind of three five two. They operate, which <clears throat> turns into a five at the back, really, essentially defensively. Um, can that function and stifle City's attack enough when it ends as a back five, as it, fr- it frequently will? Um, and Bastoni, Serbi, Darmian need just like truly massive, massive games. Um, and and I'm just I'm I'm really curious as to see like because they can defend like they're. They're capable. There was a, a kind of a change of emphasis that Lukaku talked about early on. He was uh, earlier in the season. There was kind of a sense that they were going to press more, and then they realized they should get back to basics, be compact. Um, can they stifle? Can they frustrate City uh, as a as a defense uh, as a defense that's not going to? It's just I'm trying to envision a world where they get a fair amount of possession, and I just don't see it. The third key. They need to have. They need City to have an off day. I, 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 they, anybody with half a brain will tell you, City will need to be in some way under par for this thing to come together for Inter Milan. How does that manifest itself? Is it an injury early on? Is it somebody having just a you know a fall off in form? Is it a first, you know, a frustrating hour for for Holland? You know, is there something that just doesn't click? Is there a defensive error? But they need they need that something to give them a chance to win this game. I'm convinced of it. I mean, the only other thing I could think of for Inter, um, which is kind of along the emotional lines of, of sort of what you're talking about there on the city side, but for Inter, I would say to not allow the bigness of the moment to rattle them, which I think is something they've actually done exceptionally well. Um, I mean, case in point, the performance versus AC Milan, they mm-hmm. won Copa Italia as well. Uh, they won Copa Italia back to back years. So the, the pressure of a cup final seems to be something that they're they're quite comfortable with. Um, I saw this, JJ, at the hardtackle.com. They talk about how this all kind of starts with this manager, uh, Simone Inzaghi. He's won, he won three domestic cups at Lazio, and then he's won four more domestic cups with Inter. Between the Copa Italia and the Supercopa Italia, over a seven-year span, Inzaghi's won seven of the eight cup finals he's been in. Um, in this article, they write, Inzaghi's incredible 87.5 percentage winning record in cup finals have earned him the nickname uh, Re della Copa, or Cups King, in the Italian soccer community. Clever. I like that one. So we're gonna, so that will be put to the test uh, with the Certainly ultimate will. cup final. Um, on the city side, I'm going to be totally honest. <laughs> I don't have much. It's I'll tell you what like, I have. Mine is, the only thing I wrote here was don't overthink it. Like you're the better team. You pretty much know you're 11. Don't go all Leon in the Champions League here. Yes. Um, I, I have written down patience. Inter are going to go into their shell. Just be patient. Um, midfield, I you know, I see them dominate in midfield, but, and I don't see, <laughs> I don't see the gung-ho approach, the high energy approach, the, the tenacious approach that they had, you know, with Barella and Mkhitaryan. Um, from Inter Milan against Man City because I think they'll walk through them. Um, yeah, I, I honestly think patience is the big thing. Don't keep doing the right things. 
if you're frustrated after a half hour, which might be the case, eventually you're going to get that opportunity. Eventually you're going to break them down. Do you remember against Real Madrid where the ball just seemed to go to Grealish, 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 couldn't find a way through, cycled through the midfield. It'd end up on the right-hand side with Bernardo Silva. It'd come back in. Someone had dropped. There'd be a little, little interchange and a little pass there. Like City are so good at probing and keeping the ball and then quickly being able to make a combination to get through. Patience is all they'll really need, I think. There's an awful lot of pressure on them in this game. Um, Huge. You know, we've certainly seen, I mean, look, obviously Manchester City are no stranger to big games over the last decade. Like that, that is clear. But I really, I'm struggling to think of a more important game for them than this one. Like we all know that, you know, the the league success that they've had is great. It's something that they'll cherish forever. Um, and it's made them a dynasty in England. But like we've said over and over again, this is this is about more than England. This team is on a level where they have to be winning in Europe. And, you know, I know they had an opportunity a couple of years ago, but this one, like with the season they just had, the performance from Holland, the opponent in this game, again, no offense to enter, but like there's there's a lopsidedness to this final. There just is. They have to win this game. They have to win this game. This is like a, a loss here. Like this is potential. They they just won the league and the FA Cup. It's, it's been a brilliant season. They lose this one. This is season ruining type stuff. They cannot lose. They cannot lose this game. It changes It changes the way I feel completely about their season. I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. It's time. It's time. Right? It has to be. And look, I'm not going to say as grim not- as as grim as I find that it is. This is the logical end, and for to be to be stopped in some way would be would be crazy. Yeah, and, and look, I wouldn't sit here and say if not now, when they could be right back here again next year. But like, I think it, it, this would be a ridiculous loss for them, for how good they are, and for what's expected of them uh, for the season they've had. Not to mention, like, we haven't even mentioned. How about us, JJ? We're almost an hour in. Haven't even mentioned the word treble until this moment. That's discipline. It is discipline. Or it's irresponsibility. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think it's irresponsible. Uh, if the, it, Sorry, when they win at the weekend. Wow. There will be a conversation, and the conversation could get quite boring and tedious between what, and, and certainly will be full of rancor and upset and, 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 and toxicity, but of which is the better treble team? I will, I will be in the red corner on that one. Well, that, I mean, that's very you on, for multiple reasons. Yeah. Um, it isn't. It isn't. Or, I suppose it's not, very you. Not, not which is the better team. That's wrong. Which, a, which achievement is greater? Which treble was greater? And I, and yeah, I, I mean, I, that's, I think, it depends how, like, it depends what that word means to you. Like, we, we talked about this. Manchester United's was very dramatic. Manchester City's feels very dominant. Um, I don't know which of those you place more value on. In terms, yeah, of, I think, in I think terms you've of got which it. one think, is greater. I think a team has to go through the ringer. And they came back from eight points down in the league. Hmm, it's not the ringer. They <laughs> well, literally. But there's nothing. But there wasn't Real, even any. They beat Bayern Munich and Real Madrid in route uh, to this. Like, uh, no. Well, then what? What's the ringer then? They're eight points back. They overturned that. Real Madrid's the best team in the world, in our opinion. The defending champs, they smashed them. Like, mm. what else? They So there is no ringer. There's nothing they can do. No, there isn't. That's the problem. They have created a side sans ringer. Well, but Real Madrid, but Real Madrid is not nothing. Like, well, they were nothing and, that night. I know, but Manchester City did that to them. Sure like, they did. Yeah, exactly. 
That's the whole point. But I'm not saying, but Real Madrid, like I didn't come out of that game thinking that, oh, Real Madrid is, is this weak side. Like I was, I found myself impressed by Man City. Mm, like to me, true. that makes it greater. Um, I don't know. Uh, it, it's hard for me to say. Both teams are incredible. Uh, what is it they say? Comparison is the thief of joy. Um, I know we compare things all the time on this podcast. Sometimes it's gonna... nice to compare or to talk about them, and 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 but also to realize that the the time difference between the two sides also means that it comparison is probably not going to cut it for you, um, and it's not going to really, it's not going to really give you anything uh, solid. Just maybe a lot of arguments. Well, that's all right. That's what that's what it's all about. It's what sports is all about. Um, prediction. Uh, Manchester City 3-1 I'll say uh, 2-0 City okay yeah but City anyway yeah yeah they're, they're gonna win they're gonna win Um, alright let's go ahead we'll take a break when we come back a couple other news items that on any other day are just like so clearly the lead of this podcast it just goes to show what a what an incredible time we're in right now this week with everything happening so we'll go ahead we'll come back we'll hit on those things uh, still a lot to do here on caught offside don't go anywhere cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Back now, um, caught offside and in outrageously smoky New York City. It, it was It's the kind of thing, JJ, like when I was outside walking from my office to the subway, you, you know it's bad. This is like stand-up comedy stuff. You know it's bad when, like you know it's bad when like I got to the subway station on like a summer day and got below ground and was finally like, oh, thank God. Like the smells. Thank you, God. Yeah. I mean, like the smoke outside was so prevalent. Like I, I couldn't believe like what it, how it was. Like when you hear like, oh yeah, winds from a wildfire in Canada are blowing our way. Like you don't, you don't really know what that's going to be like, but like the fire could be next door. But it's been with us know. for, it's been with us for over a week now. Um, I, I remember I went to the park uh, with a friend there. Uh, yeah. About, about 10 days ago, maybe. And um and it was it was it was hazy, but it was nothing like this. What what blew in today was truly terrifying. Um, to the extent that the mayor had an emergency press conference, the uh, health officials were telling us what what not to do. I've just discovered I have an unbelievable cough, and so I w- I went to um, I uh, you know my friend Luke is a big West Ham United supporter, so we braved the elements. <laughs> And we walked to Blackhorse to watch uh, and to cheer on West Ham in the uh, Europa Conference League final. And um, I've never had a more surreal walk. It's it's also as if it kind of quietened the city too. Did you feel that? Um, Yeah, maybe. 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, nobody I, people didn't want to be outside. I know a yeah. lot of outdoor activities were canceled. Uh, so, I mean, that that makes sense. Um, yeah. There's, um, have, have you familiarized yourself, JJ, with IQair.com? I've been on it a lot over the last uh, 24 hours. This it's, is, it's a you've live, downloaded the app, let's be fair. It's, it's a live city ranking of basically the air pollution in every major city around the world. JJ, New York City was so far and away the most polluted, air polluted city in the world over the last two days. Nothing is even remotely close. It's terrifying. It's really frightening when you look at it. Yeah, no, that's uh, scary. It was like in the the reading was in the four hundreds or something at one so point. So like, yeah, it like it's their I don't know AQI. I don't know what that means, but anything over three hundred is the worst you can possibly be. Hazardous. Like the ones below that, like two hundred to three hundred, very unhealthy. Below that, unhealthy. Hazardous is the worst, which is when it gets over three hundred, which never happens. Today, when I saw it at one point, it was like three eighty three. <laughs> it was just like. I don't know. I, I saw people smoking outside and I was just like, what are you doing? When is it enough already? How much smoke can, do you need? Hey, this is a chance to really get after my lungs. Uh, JJ, I, I, had a, I had a thought. Imagine yeah. if in Nova Scotia, their main like source of income or their main product was like weed. Could you imagine how baked the city would be today? Well, if it was just like, like fields of marijuana plants that were burning? Yeah. I think you'd have more people outside then. <laughs> I mean, I mean, New York already smells of weed everywhere. You turn a corner and it's just a blast of it hits you in the face. Um, people smoking it under stoops. But imagine it coming from the sky like a, a weed intervention. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, let's see. JJ West Ham. West yes. Ham have a trophy, a European oh my trophy. Word. They are ever. Europa Conference League champions in incredibly dramatic fashion. Jared Bowen scoring in the 90th minute. He was played through, uh, slotted it past the keeper. Good finish. Wow. What I like I've said it before about West Ham specifically, and I've got to say it again. Like the good old days are now. Yep. For for you, but right off that league season, forget about it. You stayed up, you were fine in the end. It's just amazing. I, I call my, so as you know, my brother-in-law, Eamon, is a, he comes from a huge West Ham family. His father was a plumber or um, he worked in London in the 60s, uh, around the time when you had Bobby Moore and all those great players playing for West Ham and winning World Cups. And he got obsessed with West Ham and he brought that to his family. I called him and he was crying. He could yeah, barely I could speak. see that. He could barely speak. And his daughter um, Tegan, uh, my niece was beside him and she was crying too. So it was absolutely lovely. And, uh, you don't want to, first of all, I'll get this out of the way. You don't want to delve too much into like the idea, because we have this idea of West Ham as a small club, but like, if you look at the budget, the amount, the amount of money they've spent versus their opponents today, you'd, uh, you'd realize that Fiorentina were actually the minnow in this game. Um, I, even though that kind of just doesn't track if, when when you think of our perception of West Ham, but whatever it was, it was it was amazing. It was a bad. T- it was a terrible game, really. It was very bad. Um, but at least there were goals in the second half. Uh, West Ham going ahead um, uh, through the penalty, which was most definitely a penalty, and then uh, a um, really um, really nice finish from Bonaventura to equalize and uh, Bowen. It's it's significant for me that Bowen scores, and I'll tell you why. Bowen is the epitome of what Moyes would want in a player. Um, he was bought from Hull for 20 million. He's not a Pakata. He's not a Skamaka. He's not one of these guys. 
He is a hard worker, both sides of the ball. He is, I'm not saying he's not good. He's technically great, but he gives you everything. And Moyes can trust him because he knows he's not just going to attack, he's going to defend too. So when he went breaking through and finished, I was really happy because it was kind of the most Moyes player delivering Moyes his, his first trophy, his first senior trophy as a manager. Um, yeah, it was it was great. Some of the scenes before the game were, were not so good. Fiorentina I mean, fan. Once again, <laughs> we're in one of these moments of just every day something is happening that is just like so, yeah. so ridiculous. 30 people arrested before the game. Um, during the game, a West Ham fan threw something on the field causing the hit Baragi in the head is bleeding from his head. Like, yeah. I mean, there was every time a corner was being taken for a period until a actually went over the West Ham center back and said to the West Ham fans, can you stop doing this? But the stadium only held 20,000 people and the, the supporters were right on the field. Now I'm not saying that's an excuse, but um, I mean, I guess they'd been drinking all day and they well, were just... I think, so I think there were probably still, you know, like, Fiorentina fans, it sounds like attacked West Ham fans earlier yeah. in the day. So I, I, I'm not justifying anything. But there was, but, a, it, but I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that part of it was based out of leftover hostilities and and anger towards what happened to them earlier. And a, and a sight I hadn't seen in a while, but the the sight of patio furniture from outside a bar floating through the sky that's been thrown by a by a burly Londoner. I wonder, like, if patio furniture was sentient. When they know there's a big uh, game happening and there's going to be English fans, is the patio furniture like, my time to shine. I'm definitely going to be on TV. Oh, just unbelievable. Um, but yeah, uh, not bad temper game too. And um, I'm, d- I'm delighted for Moyes. Um, just when you think of his career arc, uh, the great work he did at Everton, the nightmare that was Man United, the loss of confidence, then Real Sociedad, nightmare, Sunderland, no better, picks himself up, gets back to West Ham, keeps them up, but still gets sacked, and then comes back and is having this great renaissance with them now. It's um, it's a nice story. It is. Uh, I think it's also another one of these examples where, you know, in a time where managers are being fired left and right, West Ham had a couple moments late in the season where they could have pulled the trigger. They chose stability as their course of action. And I think they have, um, I think they've been been rewarded. I mean, they, they they stayed up with relatively speaking compared to some of the teams around them. They stayed up with ease at the end of the year and they just won a frigging European trophy. Um, Moyes was asked after the game, if it was the best moment of his career, his answer, I would have to say so. The moment you get to celebrate with your family and win in the last minute of the game, it doesn't happen often. It can go against you, but tonight it's a brilliant feeling. Um, he ran also, on the fi- he ran on the field. He did a Mourinho right yeah, on the when field. they scored the goal. Yeah, yeah, it was a pretty cool scene. He also pointed out after the game, he said, "We've gone unbeaten in Europe, which is incredible. We only lost last year in a semifinal. Two incredible years, and we get another one now. That's that's pretty amazing. It, it is amazing. Um, but again, this was the this was the promise." Um, maybe not conference league football because the competition hadn't didn't exist. But when they moved from the Berlin ground to a new neighborhood, essentially um, to the Olympic Stadium, the promise was that they it was because they wanted to have big European nights, and and I guess they've the last two years yeah. have delivered. I mean, it's a weird conversation to have. Like, I don't know that anyone will ever be thrilled. West Ham fans, I'm talking about, will ever be thrilled that they left Upton Park for the London Stadium. But remember the vitriol. 
I mean, those those fans, the hate for this ownership was intense. Uh, probably among the worst, you know, whatever you see with Everton now, that was West Ham, you know, five years ago or so. Yes. So like, <laughs> so now what? Like, it's like, does this paper over all that? Like, they must, do those feelings still exist? Like, you're winning now. A lot of what, whether it's by accident or not, I don't know. But like the best, some of the best times of a West Ham fan's life, scenes that they probably never imagined that they'd ever see in their lives, are being delivered to them. So, are some apologies in order? Like, what what happens here? I don't know. I think, I think that ownership will always be on tender hooks with the supporters. I think there's too much water under the bridge, and I don't think it'll be seen as ownership delivering. I think it'll be seen as Moyes and the team delivering always. <laughs> well, then I mean, then they're. They're making a decision that ownership is only responsible for our losses, not our wins. And you know, I don't think that that's fair when we're talking about managers, certain players who are punching bags. I don't, I don't ever find that fair. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm delighted for them. Yeah. Um, one other note on this that I wanted to ask you: Jamie Carragher had a tweet afterwards. He said, "Delighted for West Ham and especially David Moyes. Bowen and these boys are now West Ham legends." Premier League teams should be looking to dominate this competition. It's not easy to win domestic trophies with Man City about, so go for it like the Hammers did. JJ, I, I found that last part really interesting because there is there's an arrogance about certain trophies. There just is. It used to be like among Premier League teams. It used to be a little bit, I think, with certain teams with the Europa League. That settled down, I believe, to a certain extent. But then you know, it used to be a little bit with the League Cup. I think those have settled a little bit. But what about this one? I think this trophy is one that oftentimes is laughed at, but some of what Jamie Carragher said there, the money with Man City, with what we're about to see with Newcastle, like, do we need to recalibrate a little bit what we think about certain trophies that, you know, we kind of scoff at and, and like, but this, I mean, this is only in its second season and it's seen, you know, Roma win their first European title uh, in a long, long time. And then, uh, and then West Ham do it. So it's given opportunities to sides that we don't get to see on this stage uh, winning things. That's great. Um, and I, I agree with Carragher. Like the avenues for success are being closed off. Almost it feels like hourly with the rise of Newcastle now and 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 City's dominance. So so yeah, why wouldn't you go for it and create these great and special memories? It's a, you know it's a it's a cool trophy. It's a fun uh, fun tournament to be in. It's it's been a success so far. I we guess it, I it. guess it depends who's winning it. I mean that's um, that's part of this. Well, so, yeah, I mean part of if, it is. If what, Liverpool go and win this, what are you gonna you gonna dance in the street? But it, but again, that's not how joy works. It depends how they do it. Like if they plow through the tournament, hammer everyone, like and they beat Alani and Vladi Kavkaz in the final seven nil or four nil or even two nil. Yeah, no, it's not going to mean as much. But like the, what we've seen so far in this tournament has not been that. It's it's been kind of interesting and and fun and like West Ham did not have it all their own way tonight no you know and uh, what a cool final Fiorentina West Ham you know an Italian team that we we know know from the 90s Batistuta Rui Costa and West Ham a traditional uh, up and down kind of relegation father team from England playing in a European final in Prague it's kind of good 
It's nice. Well, congrats to them. It was a thriller, and uh, Lord knows their fans will will celebrate this one and, and cherish this memory. Pretty cool for them. For sure. A um, couple final ones to end on, JJ. Another story that would have been just like earth-shatteringly huge had all these other things not been happening today, but Jude Bellingham, like arguably the world's greatest young player, um, is moving to Real Madrid for a reported 103 million euros. There are certain escalation clauses that could get this one up even higher than that. I think it could get up to like 133 million euros, depending on certain things. I mean, feels a bit, feels kind of like a game changing move. Like Real Madrid were always, they were, they were, they were great anyway. But with certain components of that midfield, Modric, Kroos starting to really get up there in age, I mean, look what they've done over the last three years in the transfer window. Like, they've seen that their midfield is aging. So piece by piece, first it was Kamavinga, then a year later it was Chuameni. Now, a year after that, it's Bellingham. Like, all of a sudden, you you blink your eyes and you look at them and you think, holy crap, they've assembled the best young midfield in, in the world. Pretty impressive. They've stockpiled midfielders that all their competitors would want, basically, is what they've done. And um, it's 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 brilliant to make sure Bellingham's not going to the Premier League. It is, it is important that he's not doing that, and Real Madrid have made sure of it. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, it's scary to think, and, and like these guys now, like you think of the depth now at that position in the squad because Modric and Kroos are expected to sign new contracts, so they can go for it on multiple fronts. You know, if guys get hurt, there will be no drop off. I would say, um, and then what do you think? A year, two years from now when the transition is complete, you're going to have these three guys in the midfield in their prime. Um, not to mention like Fetty Valverde, we haven't <laughs> mentioned too. Like, I mean, it's, it's a ridiculous, it's a ridiculous midfield that they, that they have here just waiting in the wings for their turn. It's like, it's like making a team of future Galacticos, yeah. not buying them when they are famous, buying them when they will be at their absolute peak. Yeah. Yeah. Which I kind of like. Uh, well, I think it's the way you do it. Buying if these you're... guys young. Now they did have to pay a lot for them. Although sure, but... actually not not some of them not a ton. Bellingham well, is different, uh, but Declan Rice is going to be 120 million. Oh my. I mean how can like he He was well, very teary-eyed tonight, Andrew. Well, this was that was a we didn't even mention him. I mean, that's an incredible way to end your time at that club. You, like, you... he he no one can be mad anymore that he leaves. Like he leaves and he'll be a god there forever. Like, you see the no best world way. in which he's there next season. No. He's gone. Okay. Right. I don't know where. But like what I don't understand is a world where he's 120 million, but uh Bellingham is 103. Like uh, that doesn't make sense to me. Bellingham's coming from Dortmund, who highly he, incentivized he's, he's better and younger. Yeah, but he he's he they highly incentivize I, I know, but like that Dortmund contract will be that's the the fee up front and then add-ons. I, I, I that has to be the case. I don't get it. I don't get any of this. Uh, at any rate, what a day to be a Real Madrid supporter because this is, uh, I mean, they, their their reign will continue. Put it that way. But don't don't think they, don't think for a second they didn't look at what happened to them against Man City and said we cannot allow this guy to go to Man City. Oh sure, yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm sure that factored in, and uh, they're going to be. They got him. They're going to be great. Um, JJ Liverpool, you got one of the guys that I wanted. Um, Alexis McAllister, who I, I had said about a month or so ago that if I could pluck anybody from off of that Brighton side and put him on my side, wow. it, would be, it would be him. And lo and behold, you got him. I don't think you appreciate it the way that I would have. It doesn't feel right. <laughs> um, and then when I saw the price tag, just 35 million release clause, what happened there? How did Brighton allow that? It's not yeah. right. It ne- this needs to be investigated. 
um, something untoward is afoot. Of course, of course. Um, all of those things. Uh, it, it's a, I think it's an incredible move for Liverpool. And here's some of why. Uh, Adam Bate at Sky Sports, he says about this, at its best, a Klopp midfield includes players who can defend and attack, tackle, pass, and shoot. McAllister can do all of that. Speaking to him in January, he was acutely aware of his own positional flexibility. Uh, and then he goes on to talk about how he can be a six, an eight, or a ten. He might prefer uh, being an eight, but he talks about how he can be a six or a ten as well. I mean, JJ, when you think about like what Klopp ultimately wants from his midfielders yes McAllister checks all those boxes he looking at his season this year he's top 10 in through balls he's top 10 in possession one back in the middle third he's top 10 for possession one back in the final third uh second spectrum the statistics website they noted uh that McAllister registered 328 counter presses for Brighton this past season more than any Liverpool midfielder I mean he just like uh, you start to look at certain things. You start to look at the way he plays, and and you you feel like he's almost made in a lab designed for a Jurgen Klopp midfield. I think it's I think it's great. You got to be. I would think. I hope that you're loving this. No, I'm I'm I am I am happy with it. I I, I like him as a player a lot. Yeah, you know it's it's so weird though. I thought exactly what you said about a Klopp midfield, and I'm still a bit hung up on like Genie Wijnaldum, that kind of physicality, and he doesn't have that, but he has those kind of tools in the locker. Um. Uh, and I suppose that's just a, a perception thing. When you look at him, do you think he's that strong? He's probably deceptively strong. It's a great bit of business. And for that price, how could you not do it? I think it's fantastic. And then finally, speaking of great prices, N'Golo Conte, come on down. You are the next contestant on I Just Became Irrelevant, but also really, really wealthy. I just don't have anything to say about this except, okay, fine. A hundred million a year? For for a guy who, let's be honest with you, could spend a lot of that on the rehab in the rehab room. I mean, he, look, he has the mileage on him, the way he Ooh. plays. It, yeah, like I, I don't, I'm not. That's not to be insulting. I think it's just like the wear and tear of an incredibly grueling style that he played at a very small stature. Um, I mean, you know what I think of him as a player. He's one of the best players of this era. But his best but, years are behind him. Clearly. Clearly. Now, I mean, look, maybe in that league where things are not going to be quite as grueling, he'll have an opportunity to kind of showcase the N'Golo Conte of old. Um, but it's just a like when I think about Saudi Arabia and like the money that they're handing out to guys, like a hundred million for a guy who's not going to score a goal, like it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. It's it just almost feels like, like this it's like the spending of excess. Like, it's, just, it's almost like this country has endless barrels of cash. And it doesn't matter. It's almost like that, Andrew. Yeah, almost. And by almost, we mean it's literally. It's That's literally what it like is. That. It's exactly what's happening. I'll tell you this. Like, this is only the tip of the iceberg. Like, it's Ronaldo, Benzema, and Golo Conte to start. They obviously tried for Messi. Swung and missed on that one, but like you're already hearing Modric, Gundawan, Son. Like still not watching. Still not watching. Me neither. Me neither. But like, I'm sorry. They're gonna they're they are I didn't watch Live Golf either, but I acknowledge that they've now they took away a lot of players that I cared about watching, and I feel like that's gonna happen here. It's interesting to me on just like a geopolitical scale. I always felt in the nineties particularly after the first Iraq war, there was a sense that, well, Saudi Arabia, they're an emerging military power there. And the concern with them was always, uh, you know, 
military from a military standpoint, their control over oil reserves, uh, their relationship with the United States. Um, they're also their harboring and 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 funding of alleged funding of of terror organizations. I never thought that they would try to increase their sphere of influence by buying a clapped out center midfielder from Chelsea. I didn't think that's how they'd do it. But they're, they're, the hearts and minds game will be won um, through culture and 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 football, and that's the way they're going about it. Well, we'll see. Like uh, they're, they're not going to win. Could, might. Qatar might have thought that. How'd that work? S- still a much more amenable venue for like Westerners than uh, in Saudi Arabia, Andrew. I would say. But I'm just saying, like, if their idea of hosting a World Cup was to was the whole hearts and minds conversation, like. Uh, I think that backfired. I again, and, and to... I don't, and I think it's happening a, somewhat similarly with Saudi Arabia. If anything, it's kind of shining a light on, on what we perceive to be a lot of the problems of that country, rather than don't us per, no. Their minds. Well, let's not let's not mealy mouthed. Not perceive no to be. Yeah, yeah. Problems. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So I don't know if the, if that's the plan of action. Maybe that works 20 years ago, but in today's media culture, I don't know that you get away with that. Well, it's but we'll part see, of, it's, but they're going to try. Yep, yeah, it's part of a huge campaign. It's not just this. It's 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 everything. Project Twenty Thirty. They must be. I mean, put yourself just to close out on this and come full circle. Now, put yourself in Mohammed bin Salman's office after they spent whatever it is that they spent on Lionel Messi to be one of their tourism ambassadors and to help you know bring people into the fold into that country, and then to have him turn around and decide not to play there when they're offering him four hundred million a, year, a season to go there. I mean, the, there must have been real. I'm just guessing. I don't know. There must have been real outrage in some of those offices. Yeah. Just my just my guess. Yeah, I wonder. Sorry, it's not called Project 2030. It's called Vision 2030. Oh, thank you. It's important. I don't uh, want to be the next one in in Ben Solomon's uh, office for getting things wrong. It's not uh, an office I want to be in. JJ, I got nothing left. This I'm was, spent. I've got to go one. now and do the night feeds and look after Roshi. Night feeds. Where um where are you watching the uh the game this weekend? I haven't made a decision yet. Um it'll be very much uh Roche dependent. So we'll see uh see what we do there. Um we can't really take her out now until the smog goes away. Don't really want to put her little lungs into this. No, can't so um yeah, so I d I don't know. Someone'll have to look after her during the game, but I guess we'll figure that out. Hmm. Interesting. Very I'd like to go to Black Horse and watch it. It's it's my or, or the Monroe. I mean, there's lots of venues, especially now. It's it's kind of weird Liverpool not being involved in in. I don't know. I've I, I've been spoiled the last few years. Liverpool always at the business end in the Champions League or at some point of it now, and and now it's just like yeah, I'll go to a bar. Yeah. All right. Just another Saturday. That's all. Yep. All right. Well, I got nothing left. Nope. Just, just gonna end this thing. Yeah. Uh, this was extraordinary fun. Uh, animals continue to uh, to weigh in. You've been sensational on the Reddit page. I love reading all through all of your conversations. It's great ever, stuff. Ever we should have a Reddit only podcast at some point. Oh, that would yeah. Is that doable? How does that work? As like uh, a as a way of like a thank like you a mailbag really. Is there a way that like if we did like a YouTube? Can you put it like where like people need a code to access it and like we would put it on the Reddit page for the animals. Am I thinking too hard here? I want to, I want to ha- thank them in some way. They've been such great loyal followers of the show. I'm just, I'm so appreciative. Well, we're going to be thanking them soon with some fantastic merch. Yeah. JJ's wearing one of the shirts so I can you, confirm you, you that they're real. Like it. 
I can confirm that they're real and that I, I'll say this about it. I'd wear it. Yep. For sure. Uh, Hey, and and, and that is a ringing endorsement from the fashion icon. That is Andrew Gundling. I'd wear it. Uh, this was a joy. Lionel Messi is coming to America. It's just a beautiful thing. I can't believe I'm uttering those words. JJ, to you, I say. Check you later, fun boy. I'll see you. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.